3: The following podcast is brought to you exclusively by the Arad Rob
1: Radio Network. This is PBA champion Kyle Troop, and you're listening to Straight Up 5 with Johnny Patraglia Jr. As you know, J.P. Jr. used to be introduced as the sexiest man in bowling, and now the world. But he doesn't have the best hair in the world. I do. Sorry, bud, but you know the deal. Pick it out. Fear the fro, baby. Welcome Welcome to Straight Straight Up Up 5 with with
3: Johnny Petraglia Petraglia Jr. A hard-hitting, in-depth, cutting-edge look into the world of bowling. This podcast will not only cover all things bowling, but will also give you a raw look into real-life issues. You'll get unfettered access into the mind of one of the most gifted bowlers of this or any other generation. So, without further ado, let's introduce you to the hosts of the show Red Rob, Rob Francois. Red Rob, Rob Francois. Dr. Ocho. Dr. Ocho. And the incomparable Johnny Petraglia Jr. Johnny Johnny Petraglia Petraglia Jr.
1: Jr. Hey guys, welcome back to Straight Up 5 with Johnny Petraglia Jr. I am your host, Rad Rob, Rob Francois. And this is episode number 97, the year in review. Lots of stuff that happened this year we'll be covering, as well as what we think may be coming up on the horizon. For the sport of bowling in 2024. But before we do that, let's welcome everybody in the chat. Nico, Brian Hera, David Cranbourne, Crandall, Ricky Smith. What's going on? Happy holidays, gentlemen. Happy early new year as well. And we have to introduce my co-host. You know, one thing I don't think anybody understands is you know, you're always putting yourself over Rad Rob, Rad Rob Radio Network, blah, 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 blah. But I mean, I put myself first in the intro, but then it's Ocho, and then it's Johnny. So that's the order of succession. I'm the least, uh, let's say, productive in the show. <laughs> and then there's Ocho, who's second important. And then there's obviously the man with the name of the marquee, Mr. Petrogli Jr. So I just want to throw that out there. I'm, I'm pretty selfless. <laughs> That was a good try, Troy Lint. Good evening, sir. Welcome, Mister U.S. Champion. All right, let's let's not ado anymore. Let's get on to our co-host. He is the man with the shiniest mask in the world. He is the resident doctor of Straight Up Five. He has the golden guns. He's a dad, a bowler, a doctor, and kind of a douchebag. But here he is anyway, Doctor Rocho. Good evening. Oh, there it is. See, yep.
0: That's all the intro I need, Rob, since you're filibustering and everything. can we Do you, you, you send this text like, oh, guess what? Uh, I got bit by a tree frog, so I don't feel so good. Can we make this yeah. show under 24 minutes and a half? And then you're over here. Uh, I'm the guy who is the guy who has a guy. <laughs>
1: right, yes. I, have the, I have the
2: And sleep. take it away.
1: Hey, Mr. Johnny Petruglia. Did you just girl.
2: open the show by saying I do shit for it? I mean, it's true.
1: Did I say that? Is that uh, what
2: you, is that no, what you, you said? Saying? It was hard to hear because he was mumbling. He was no,
1: mumbling. I'm the least productive on this show, is what I said.
2: The, the least productive? Well, yeah. that's very nice of you. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Merry Christmas oh. to you as well, you and yours. Thanks. I was trying to let you, you guys know, know
1: that, you know, in order of importance in this show, it's me, Ocho, and then you. That's all.
2: I could deal with that.
1: Right. that's fair. Uh, now, my wife is at the flu for last week, and obviously I'm immunocompromised because I fucking catch everything, so... Uh, I now have the flu. So, yay!
0: You gave it to you like here, Merry Christmas. You opened it up and like this thing just bombarded you, and it was it was influenza.
1: She put it in a gift bag, actually. Yes.
0: You yeah, sure it wasn't anthrax? Because I think she's on a different agenda.
1: Speaking of which, Joey Belladonna did the national anthem for a uh, amateur hockey team there recently. The anthrax, Joey Belladonna, get it? Come on, you guys are from Northeast.
2: I'm still trying to figure out
0: why he just shit on me to open the show. No, he shit on himself. That You were the most important. Why would he do
2: that? I mean, he, shit, he shit on himself. He, well, we have to stop this shit on him. And by the way, I don't know who Johnny Gabratzi <laughs> is that sang the national anthem. He's the guy Are you talking the about the CMAs because you're down in in Nashville? area? No, I'm
1: talking about Joey no, Belladonna because he, he mentioned, a, he mentioned Anthrax. A, I mentioned Joey Belladonna. Scott Joey Belladonna is, singer of
2: Anthrax. No, he's the guitarist, right? Scott Ian's the singer. Jesus Christ, you
1: guys grew up in the same era-ish that I did. Well, maybe not, Johnny. Ocho should have got that.
2: Yeah, I got a lot of things. I, I have quiet.
0: STDs. I don't know. Uh, here, let's do this. You're so quiet. Hang on. We need to make you louder. Uh, okay. Anyway,
2: make by go. the way, to everybody in the chat that's already here, that's and especially uh, Senor Rob Francois, I were, we're back at the, the stage with the camera that's up here, so I'm not sleeping. I'm not fucked up. My I just can't look at nothing. Troy, good
1: good point, Troy. Fuck so, Doc Sullivan. Thank you, Troy. Thank you. Uh,
2: to thank everybody you that's already here, for those of you that <laughs> celebrated Merry Christmas, I know that everybody celebrates New Year, and happy early New Year to, to all of our loyal viewers. Happy Arbor Day. As, as, Arbor Day. as always, for being here, and salute uh, to that. So, obviously, that's how we got to start. And thank God we have Rob, because we wouldn't be on our 91st or 92nd episode if it wasn't for him.
1: And all of oh, thank, you. So, thank you, sir.
0: Call
2: you up for being least
0: important.
1: Thank you. This right.
2: uh,
0: show is literally Rob's medical chart because every week there's a new disease, a new illness, and so when they say, like, on his case history form, he'll say, well, episode 42, uh, I definitely suffered a hemorrhage in my groinal region, and episode 43, I coughed too loud and then had bleeding and things like that, so yeah. just reference the straight-up five episodes 20 to 80, and you'll see, like, his whole medical history. I
1: mean, Nico's right. I mean, it is straight-up five with Johnny P. Jr., so... Obviously, he's the most
2: important.
1: So, Really, really, actually, I was just putting over Ocho because he's not recognized enough, probably because of the mask, but uh, (laughs) come on, I popped you on that one. All right. Uh, Russell Yap, what's going on? Everybody, Billy Bernadette, thank you for for showing up, everybody. By the way,
0: uh,
1: I don't know how many guys uh, in the world got a happy... Or sorry, a Merry Christmas from a U.S. champion, but I got one this year, so that was fun. Mister Troy Lint took the time out of his day to wish me a Merry Christmas, as well as uh, Bear, which we haven't seen much on this show lately. Um, but uh, everybody else, fuck you. You didn't send me any messages, so that's what I got to say uh, about Richard, that. I hope y'all got cold.
2: I'm definitely Vanna because I'm I'm way more pretty. Looks alone for sure, but um, yes, he has an easier time talking to strange contestants. Yeah, I have a very, yeah. very, very easy time flipping letters and just looking nice. So,
1: I think this is Pat's last year, right? He owned it. All right, this show sucks already. Okay, tell
0: John L. to get out of the chat <laughs> already. With this guy, what do we right. want to open with tonight? Let's go. Man. When they're with. starting. They're already losing one nothing. This is terrible.
1: It's the year in review, gentlemen, okay. and we actually started off twenty twenty three.
0: Should a newsman?
1: God damn it, Ojo. You know what? I take it back. I'm moving you, Ojo. You're you're third now. Shut the fuck up. I'm trying to host. Okay?
0: Dummy. Dummy.
1: Uh, Actually, we opened up the year with a bang. Uh, It was the banning of urethane. Our January 19th show was titled Urethane, the end of an era. Uh, That was the uh, PBA banning of urethane balls made before August 2022. Uh, and then we also had exemptions for the U S open. We talked about Mookie Betts and Jimmy Allen. So we actually kind of let off the year with, uh, with some pretty important topics. Um, pretty much Johnny, the focus of this year was really around the purple hammer. And, uh, then urethane for the most part.
2: Yeah. I mean, the controversy comes from all angles when it comes to that bowling ball, it changed. It revamped the game as much as say somebody, a Mark, like a Mark Roth did It, Everybody that followed in pursuit of their dream at at whatever age, or either, you know, kept contouring to the normal lifestyle, or just coming up into the game. Everybody's entire methods of plans of attack changed with the introduction of the purple hammer because it reinvented the game. It could be thrown by traditionalists, two-handers, one-handers, high rev guys, low rev guys, senior players, kids, men, women. It didn't matter. So all of the rules, whether it came to the hardness or whether it came to the shell or how long the ball is allowed to be used on the lane within an X amount of years before it has to be tossed into place. A lot of this year's season was every – a lot of our shows were reliant on the the way that the path was paved by the Purple Hammer. Um I mean, we can also contribute other balls being taken away, for instance, i.e. what happened in, in Las Vegas with the Storm products. But, uh, you know, now we're talking about which players are going to be affected as far as how much they win with the upcoming season and, you know, who's what's, which players on the left side of the lane are going to be the guys that are no longer making the show every week or everything along those lines. So, yeah, I would say this year was, you know, just like anything else when – it's weird because typically when technology advances in other sports, that's when everything comes into question. You know, like I watched a TikTok video of Aaron judge hitting baseballs with metal bats produced between the years of 2000 and 2020. And like we, I go back to, to my baseball days and I'm thinking about, Holy shit, watching the one kid in, in my group of players that was probably going to go all the way and remembering the way the ball flew off his bat compared to the way the guys playing in the big leagues making multi-millions of dollars every single season are making a ball fly off a metal bat. It's it's similar in what's happening with the urethane bowling balls, at least to me. But uh, a lot of, like, like you brought up, Rob, great point. This year was surrounded by new rules being implemented, um, surfaces having to be changed, covers having to be better, outdated being null and void. I mean, it was, I, I couldn't agree more than, this is kind of a turning point in bowling. You, the, you want to toss in the introduction of string pins and which centers are going to be certified. with it. By, by the year 2040, bowling, as we know, it could be entirely different.
1: I, I agree with that, and especially with all the money that USBC and Chad Murphy have put into researching string pins. All of the thousands of hours of testing of having, you know, everyday bowlers just bowling them uh, and give their feedback and see what their pinfall is like and see how the pins react. and. We've seen 220 average bowler just put out a video of uh, him bowling on these string pins uh, recently. And yeah, he had some weird leaves, but I mean, that's, that's, I think it's bound to happen anyway, but uh, I think there's a lot of people that don't want to acknowledge the fact that we may be dealing with string pins in the PBA. Uh, You're, you're within the coming, yeah, you're right within the the end of the decade. So uh, it's not something people can just kind of brush off, but, from what I've seen in the groups, Johnny, there's a lot of people that just aren't educated and they think that all of these string pins are the carnival uh, type, and that's just not true.
2: No, it's, you got to remember, Rob, especially as people get older, we all experience it. And if you're younger than me, you will experience it at some point, no matter how much you sit in there and say, no, I'll never be like that, yada, yada, yada. And then the same with the people that are 30 years older than me, it's very, very hard to Change somebody's brain when they've adapted to something for so long that is so simple,
1: right?
2: For instance, like it could be something as basic as my dad, for instance, is used to checking his voicemail on his company phone and then (laughs) calling people back to figure out the problem. So, if if you introduce two factor authentication to my dad on email, (laughs) or you tell him that he needs the latest and greatest iPhone, but now he has to like hold the screen down to refresh his emails or shit along those lines. He's going to be hesitant. If not like vulgar in his opinion that he doesn't want it. Right. Right. Because like if in the movie demolition, man, here's a prime example. When Sylvester Stallone is frozen for 50 years and it comes back in like the year 2050 or whatever it is. Yeah. And he goes to take a shit, right? He goes to take a shit. And instead of the toilet paper being there, there's three seashells.
3: <laughs> so he goes
2: out looking for toilet paper and they say, oh, shit, he doesn't know how to use the three seashells. So he figures out a way to, to curse enough times to get enough pieces of paper out of the, the verbal credit machine <laughs> so he can go wipe his ass. And he says so much for the seashells. When something is so basic and simple, you don't want to be introduced to something that's that's brand new. You know, be introduced to something that's brand new that's going to help in the evolution of something, right? But I actually can't remember where I was going with my entire thought remember I mean, where my brain works. But the reason I was bringing it up was because of something that, that introduced the, this convo. And I think it had something to do. What were you saying, Rob? What, what was it? Bring me back for a minute. That
1: we may have to anyway, deal with so, the fact that string so, pins will be prevalent and that not everybody thinks, not everybody does the research about the carnival. You know, it's, it's not all the carnival pins either. But you're right.
2: String I pins in was, general. Was, I'm sorry to cut you off, but that was my point. It was like, right. I'm one of those people. When I go to the bowling alley, I want to throw an airmail messenger from a free bird piece of hard rock maple. Right. I don't want something stuck to a string that all of a sudden the 710 is easier to convert than throwing a messenger on an off-pocket hit. I don't want to go bowling at my sport and my craft and go do the same things that I could do. Like virtually, I feel like I'm playing skee-ball right. or I'm playing on one of those stublings on a cruise ship or I'm doing something along those lines that has nothing to do with the sport. It's, it's dummying down the sport to me. Yeah. Now, whether they're regulated or not, whether they fall reasonably or not is totally inconsequential to a moderately closed minded brain, like mine, when it comes to this kind of stuff. Okay. I mean, I I mean, it would be like telling an offensive lineman that all of a sudden it's flag football on the line when the game's on the line, (laughs) it's going to be really, really hard for that guy to pull the flag off the guys, you know, oblique instead of, Bashing his fucking chest in, right? Like, It's right. his job since he was in Pee Wee football, for Christ's sake. It's, I, that's, that's kind of like where I am with those pins. Or,
1: no, that makes sense. And, and maybe, I don't know. I'm, I, I completely, you're absolutely right. For whatever reason, my brain doesn't work that way. And maybe I'm just more analytical and like fact based on it. Like, I'm kind of like Riggles. Like, you know, we go out and we do the research. And we're like, okay, well, maybe it's not that bad, but
0: the yeah. facts are there, but they're still not. Like if, if they're facts for you guys, that's still analytics, like you said, is statistical. it's not Johnny's experience yet right So maybe when he does throw on them and then says, "Oh wow, they're very similar to or he just hit a messenger or whatever. he used that cool yep. lingo, um, and then his evidence will then be construed with the facts that are presented with him basically.
1: Right, which is and that's that's perfect. There's going to be everybody, really. It's, I mean, think about right.
2: it. It's it's yeah. the evolution conversation that happens everywhere. For instance, if you're a golfer, everybody for the last hundred years is used to the clinking of the irons in the bag, right? There's that. a very specific sound that if you've ever that. played a round of golf in your life and you like and you enjoy it's golf poetry, you can hear that sound in your sleep and it excites you about the next time you're going to go play golf, right? Sure. The same way that when I hear uh, a shot that's that the four pin slaps off the wall and I slap the seven out or the light swisher hit or the trip six hit or the airmail messenger hit. Like I'm familiar with the sound of bowling as, as a bowler. I'm, the sound is is like attributed to the success that we experience, right? Like, you know, a specific sound produces a specific success rate in bowling. Yep. You know what it sounds like when you big four. You obviously know what it sounds like when you gutter. On the golf course now, now the same thing that happened in bowling when they went and they tried the twister pins for a while, mm-hmm. which were 100 percent synthetic pins, they didn't have that sound, and hence they didn't last for longer than a few years, at least in the public eye. Right. Or I guarantee you, 80 out of 100 centers, 85 out of 100 centers you go to now doesn't have a twister pin. If you replace all those clubs in your bag that are that are iron that are that are metal, and you replace them with some kind of material where they bounce off each other like. The old plastic ones you had when you were a kid you're going to take out your, your four iron or your five iron you're going to say shit i feel like I'm, I'm, I'm putting a rubber ball in my kitchen right now right it's the evolution has to make sense so like it makes sense that as metal drivers were introduced that the length of the uh the, the uh the holes got got longer they went to 500 yard par fours as opposed to 300 yard par fours. right it makes sense You know, bowling has always been, and we've talked a million times that bowling is one of those sports that's progressed immensely in certain areas, but dismally in others. So I think that when you take away the element that brought you into it to begin with, we always talk about weightlifting. I'm a weightlifter. I like going to gyms where the dumbbells are metal. I like clanking them. I don't like going to a gym where the dumbbells are rubber. Right. I feel like they don't weigh the same as the metal ones. They're lighter. They're, they're, they're lighter, lighter for sure. Even though it not to me, sa- they don't make the sound when I clink them before a set. It, it's it, the the relation of how much work and effort you've put into your craft for it to be dummied down at the execution point, at the point where like everybody only cares about if you throw strikes or don't throw strikes. Right. I want people to look at my strikes when I bowl. I want them to hear my strikes. I'm almost 40. I watch Brandon Bone Bowl, and I wish I could throw pins the way he does. You know what? I did 20 years ago, but I don't want other people to experience what he's experiencing. So, yeah, I, like I said, I'm, I'm skewed on whether they're carnival pins or not, and I know I'm ranting a lot right now, but this is something that was like, you know, I, I kind of took out of left field and didn't expect it, so I wanted to shit on it. Shout me.
0: out to John L. for the uh, metal spike comment there, even though he's yes. in my doghouse. But uh, walking on with metal spikes, I just, I, man, I used to love that sound. I used to love walking on the green with metal spikes because you had to be so meticulous about your step because you always leave the course in better shape than you found it. Always. That's right. But most of the idiots didn't know how to walk with metal spikes, and now they're outlawed, basically, since the late 90s. So, anyway... And-
1: and Ricky Smith brings up a good point that synthetic lanes change the sound. Also, I mean, you used to listen to well, it.
0: Cha- well, it changed the actual sound of bowling because yeah. bowling on live... I remember like now seeing commercials. They didn't have all they would have was the sound of the bowling ball hitting the lane, Some. and then the pins rattling. Okay. And it was that was that was the most artistic thing I've ever heard in my life.
1: But you you can you hear, hear the know, ball roll down. Ball. You can hear the ball actually like roll over the sure or whatever down and the you, lane. You can
0: hear it hitting. It's rolling over the wood. Is, right. of a, uh, is oh. synthetic, more of a dull surface. Is that what it is? Is like, is,
2: is, it, does is it, it a plastic surface? Oh, synthetic it, is, it sounds hollow. The wood, really. Like, so, no, uh, polar opposite. So, like, I'll I'll go with Brunswick because that's my sponsor and mm-hmm. what I have the most knowledge of. Um, I'll compare it a little bit to an AMF lane surface for anybody in our chat that doesn't know about the the, the texture of a lane surface. So, for instance, as opposed to wood whether it be, you know, shellac, lacquer, you know, polyurethane, whatever the coating is, um, when you come to a, let's take a, I'll use carolier lanes upstairs as an example. Upstairs at carolier lanes, they use uh, runs of pro lane. That's the, the lane surface, the synthetic lane surface that uses the down lane uh, range markers, um, anything along those lines. So on those, that's a 7 sixteenths inch thick solid phenolic construction of synthetic. With a with an image of the bowling lane on top, and that's pretty standard for most Brunswick pro lanes. Uh, the original pro lane, prior to the ones with the down lane markings, was only five or five thick, okay. but still solid phenolic. In other words, solid phenolic being one piece. Um, AMF HPL and SPL lanes is a sandwich style lane, where the center of the lane is actually a compression board, and the outer and under part are thinner. And I think it only is five sixteenths inch total. So for anybody that's curious why your ball hooks earlier or doesn't uh, snap as hard on say an HPL or an AMF surface compared to a Brunswick pro lane surface is typically because of that sandwich style lane. The ball tends to hug the front part of the lane and suck into the front part of the lane a lot quicker than it does on the harder lane surface of the Brunswick pro lanes. So, Typically, that's what I always try and tell people: is assume that your ball is going to hook a little bit closer to you when you're bowling on a sandwich style lane compared to a, a solid phenolic construction.
1: And I never knew the difference, honestly, other than just the name of the company. Because growing up at Bradley, it was an AMF house, uh, and I bowled at some you know certain centers around the area, but for the most part, they were all AMF. I never actually bowled on it. I've never bowled on Brunswick lanes before. Uh, and to me, not knowing much as much as you do about the sport. Uh, I didn't even know that there was that big of a difference.
2: Yeah, it's and it's certainly more noticeable at at the pinnacle level when when you watch, you know, high ranking amateur tournaments and obviously the pros. It's you can see it a lot more. But um, what what happens is the other tendencies as you go on lanes more often, is you realize that even though the lanes have the tendency to hook a little bit more and a little bit earlier on the AMF surface, the frequency of ringing sevens and ringing ten pins is minute compared to pro lane. Okay. you'll leave a, a couple half tens and half sevens when you're half pocket on the AMF surface, but it's very rare that you'll leave a ring in. And what I mean by that is the six is going around the 10 or the four is going around the seven. Brunswick um, pro lanes, you get a lot more of that uh, compared to AMF lanes where, where you don't.
1: Okay. Well then let me throw this out there, Johnny. I know We don't have enough data yet because obviously we haven't bowled enough on string pins, but what we think may change the impact of the game the most Obviously, you go from, you know, people throwing stones down up on a piece of wood to rubber, to plastic, to urethane, to resin, changing the surface of the lanes from wood to synthetic, and then string pins. What do you think will have a bigger change or a bigger impact on the game, in your opinion?
2: Uh, in my eyes, the biggest change and impact on the game is the two-handed revolution. Okay. It- For forget the string pins, we've uh, per our convo with Jeff with uh, Jeff Wriggles, I I and like processing everything aside from my ego. I realized that the string pins ain't gonna change, even if it does change the game. Say five six pins a game, overall for the two million members that are left. That's still. Peanuts compared to in in the overall realm or grand scheme of things, right? Okay, fair enough. Uh, for me, it's the two handed revolution. It's it's the reinvention of the game. It's the the two handed revolution. What makes what makes them so deadly is not their raw power. It's not the fact that they can curve it just a little bit more than say um, EJ Tackett or 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 somebody of, of that caliber.
1: Really? Okay.
2: Um, what, what they have done now is with the technology and, and the advancements we have in the teaching and the coaching of the game mm-hmm. and the students of the game and the very calm nature of the brains of the kids in today's game, the two handers <laughs> are deadly because they're also dead balls. Accurate. Right. Like Marissa Tomei, dead on balls, Denny, accurate, dead on, I guess balls the fucking thing is broken. Accurate. I guess right. the fucking thing is broken. Like they are, and because what they can do is they can manipulate any pattern they want faster. They're basically steroids, they're anabolic steroids. yeah, like in other words, if you have a very, very strict workout regimen where you train five days a week for a solid year, you may add, say, ten, eight eight point three pounds of muscle in one year, to six get 10. everything right. But okay. if you took steroids, you would gain thirteen or fourteen pounds of muscle in six weeks.
1: Right. So that's what Ocho has been doing.
2: What what they're doing is they are, they're virtually on steroids because the lane only offers so many external elements. The lane's 60 feet, six inches long, the pins are three pounds, eight ounces. Right. We, like we're not going to see the next guy that, that goes from averaging a 95 mile an hour fastball to 110 mile an hour fastball. It's not going to happen.
0: Right. Progressions are steadier,
2: slower, very, very very deliberate. So we don't we don't need a guy now that can play the seventh arrow with accuracy that throws it 24 miles an hour. We don't need a guy that throws it dead straight up the lane and wins 47 titles and has 45 second places and is also the six time world horseshoe pitching champion. We don't need the perfect form of a David Ozio that wins a dozen titles in the middle of the lane anymore. We don't. You look like him, by the way. And we, we've reached a point in bowling where bowling talent and tricks can only go so far. The newest, latest, and greatest thing is the guys throwing regular and backup. You're not going to give us weight holes. You're not going to give us thumb holes. Shit, we'll play both sides of the lane legally. That's like the only other greatest thing you can do in this game. If somebody else has a better idea of the as to what they think is going to happen 25 years from now, if this isn't the end of it, We went from a stroker to a cranker, to a super cranker, to a super duper cranker. There is nowhere else to go up from here. There's also nowhere else to go down because it's been perfected at every single level. Feed off that. What do you think? Well, that's
0: just it. You know, we we don't see perfection in any other sport really so often. Um, And Perfection is such a, 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 a tricky term because what is perfect in other sports no one's going to shoot an 18 in golf. <laughs> you know what I mean? A perfect game is rare at best in baseball, but that's only named a perfect game. Is that perfection? No, it's called a perfect game. Right. Perfection in bowling is 12 strikes in a row. So whether um, to, to to denounce that as the best you can do, but I, I denounce is such a bad word. I shouldn't say it like that. But it's the fact that it happens so often and yet, that's still the pinnacle. It's where do you go next? It's I'm, I'm taking a little different tour, but but that's what you were saying. Like where it, it's gotta be very, um, very small in its increments. You're not going to see a guy throwing 30 miles per hour on the bowling lane, hooking it from the seventh arrow. But where do you go from here though? Right. And I think that's where we're stuck. And that's why no one has an answer except Maza, really with, um, about the pins. But no one has an answer for where do you go next? Golf, they can make the courses longer and longer and longer. As much as long as there's land uh, where people, where rich people can buy it out, that'll still happen. It's <laughs> right. um, no, but think about it. Where do you go next? I mean, and maybe that's what maybe that's what I feel like the moves are lateral rather than progressive, almost. You know,
2: ironically, feeding off of what he just said, and this pains me to say, but I feel like the next progression is making people be outcasted from the sport. And what I mean by that is this. Like, when we all go play golf with our buddies, we usually pick between the men's tees and the middle tees. We never, ever, ever, unless we have two or three scratch guys or plus handicaps with us. Or it's a short course. We never even consider playing. No one plays the tips. tips. No one plays the tips. Never even consider it because, oh, you know what? I could have a really, really, really good time from 6,300 in the middle tees. 7,200 in fun. I probably, <laughs> probably try and hang for a little bit at 6,800. Right. That's going to get a little bit harder, right? Nobody ever goes for the 7,300-yard tips. Nobody. And if they do, they didn't check their ego at the door. He goes, why? Because the pinnacle golfers in the world are so much fucking better than everybody behind them. What I mean by that is, in golf, it's okay to be an outcast. Right. It's okay to know you're never, ever, ever going to beat Tiger Woods. You're design. never going to beat Sang Moon Bay. You're never going to beat Ricky Fowler. You're never going to beat these guys. On their worst day on 18 holes, you, we all know we have no chance. Right. 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 Rory's worst day I've ever seen on the PGA Tour was an 82. I don't think I've ever shot an 82 <laughs> for 6,800 yards. Just to put it in perspective, right? Right. What, I, what I'm getting at here is, is if you make if you outcast it enough and you bring enough flavor to the pinnacle level, then maybe you get more people. And what I mean by that is this. We always talk about the weight of the bowling pins. If the pins are four pounds and four pounds, three ounces everywhere, all the time, Brian Voss, Pete Weber, Anthony Simonson, Jason Belmonte, Amleto Monticelli, Walter A. Williams Jr., my dad, Parker, Bob Learn, Steve Hoskins. I can go on and on and on and on. They are always, always going to finish ahead of even the best players behind them. Right. Arturo Quintero, um, Mike Scroggins, shit. The late great Dennis Jakes. I'm just trying to give you other bowlers that are – fabulous bowlers that would have no chance to compete because even at the pinnacle level, if you're losing a half a hit a game, it equates to 10 pins at the end of the game. If you make the separation big enough that the talent pool of the elites are say 200 players, 500 players across the globe that these 500 guys are competing for somewhere between 500,000 and a million a year. And again, I know we always talk about sponsors, but with all due respect, we can fucking find sponsors. We just don't dig hard enough. Exactly. Sell fucking ketchup a popsicle to a woman in white gloves. If we need to, I ketchup just choose popsicle. not to come on, Tommy boy had to throw in the reference, had to throw in the reference. But if you separated enough to a point that the pinnacle are making enough money that shit, like we may not be LeBron James, we may not be Michael Jordan, we may not be Tom Brady, but we're making a million dollars a year, which is perfectly comfortable in this world, right? And right. Then, right? Yeah. If we can do that, then maybe you draw more attention to the sport. Because one of the biggest reasons why more people don't play pool, they don't play darts, they don't bowl, is because at the pinnacle level, there's not enough incentive. There's not enough money involved, right? That's just right. another idea. If you actually decided to say to all your senior leagues and all your junior leagues, Molly and daddy, I can't knock down the pins. They're too heavy. Or the seniors saying, oh, my ball speed's not fast enough. I can't knock down the pins. They're not falling. If you just outcast those people enough, maybe the next two or three generations follow suit with the two-handers of today's game, and we create a larger separation in bowling the same way we have in the white-collar sport like a golf Sorry, I'm rambling, man, but you're no, no, you, no, you, you. In an hour, you, you make perfect sense. Hasn't the
1: house shot kind of done that though? Uh, like, hasn't that? Uh, what I mean by that is,
2: you know, the house, house shot got enough people involved at the right. recreational level to keep some bowling centers open. But nowadays, every year that goes by, what do you hear more than anything else in the world? You don't hear about new mom and pop bowling centers opening. You hear about holy shit. That bowling alley is still open. That place has been there for thirty years. Right. My God, they must be doing something right because every other mountain pop bowling alley around it is closing, or it's being bought out by a you know a, a Fortune five hundred company. It's it's a Bolero Center. It's this. It's around one. It's there. Your recreational level is exactly that. You've reinvented the recreational level of bowling, but what you've done is you've outcasted the aspiring people to make it professionally. It's it's the way you know. My I have a younger sister. My sister's six years younger than me. She's one of the best softball players in the goddamn world. And my sister decided to not play in uh, in college at Monmouth University on a full ride. She got a full ride, but she decided not to take the athletic scholarship because she said, "From here, where do I go? Right. If I'm fortunate enough to make it to the top twenty or twenty five girls in the United States, I can go play for Team USA." But there's no MLB for for softball. There's there's no nothing. So, like, at what point does that stop? And I think the same thing kind of happens at the professional level of bowling. People get moderately interested. They find out how much everything costs. then they go out there and they try and beat guys that are 10 years, light years better than them to find out that the first place prize check only covers, like, six more weeks of doing the same shit all over again. How long do we give Bolero?
0: before like how long like we've been talking about like bolero buys these are they buying it for just the write-off or are they is there a true attempt at you know restoring some semblance of bowling too because we talked the, about it about a year ago like maybe i'm maybe i'm a little over a year but like
1: if they cared uh, they wouldn't have changed the name from carolier i'm just gonna throw that out there they fucked the entire history of that center by naming it bolero north brunswick who, who the fuck would know a Blair on North Brunswick is outside of us or people actually watch bowling?
2: Yeah, like, for instance, when it actually went away from Carolier Lanes the first time, it turned to a – when Brunswick bought all the properties, they turned them all into Brunswick Zones. I'm sure anybody in the chat, Geographic, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know has that. been in a Brunswick Zone facility. But even they kept it as Brunswick Zone Caroleer. Okay, And fair. while it was Brunswick Zone Carolier, the on-ramp to get to Carolier, in between Route 1 and Route 130, for anybody that's ever been to Carolier, let's go. Um, they named the loop right around the bowling alley Caroleer Lane. But you know. They did that while it was Brunswick Zone Carolier. So just, just to throw a little, a little bit more salt in the wound. A little that's bit more pretty cool. In the open is it still called that? Or did they it's, change it to yes, Bolero like Lane? The, on, the on-ramp to Caroleer, it, Bolero North Brunswick is still located on Carolier Lane. Yes, well, that's fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, yes. that is fun.
2: And what Ryan just said, to, like, just to follow it up there, uh, um, Rob. Yeah. Alero charging $7 plus a game is absolutely ridiculous. When I was drinking heavily, um, the other thing that always got me was the half of a shot of tequila at the bar was $12. Wait, and, half? Of- like, it wasn't even a true shot, man. Oh, and, my well, stars. When I tell you, it was it was a tough one. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, we have some good bartenders there now, but now that I'm not booze, in you, don't, you, don't don't it. But, you don't you don't need it. You don't need it, but still. But either way, yeah. The like I said, they, they cater more to the the white collar group, and and like you know, God bless them, and they do well with their parties. But again, it's more it's the separation. You're you're eliminating that core of true. And now again, from a business perspective, might be totally different
0: right? if they're turning a profit. But that's what I'm saying. How long do we give Bolero? Because it could they're such a conglomerate that it could be it could be a right off. Oh, look, we took a loss again. Now we don't have to pay taxes. I mean, this is what these big companies think about some of these things. So that's the problem.
2: I don't um, want to
1: call it a monopoly, Johnny, but, I mean, it's a conflict of interest in my opinion that Bolero owns all these centers and they own the the professional level.
2: It's close to to getting there, to, to being a monopoly, because I truly don't think Bolero is out Remember, dude, and and, and listen, no, nobody wants to lose any, money. Like these, just these guys are say, greedy. So, any business owner, any business mentality is always going out there and looking at the bottom line. They're trying to figure out the way to maximize their profits in their own business. And we're sitting here speaking as like loyal and noble bowlers. We're sitting here saying. We're used to this. We're used to there being available open play. Without the shred of the price. business acumen that we're these guys are coming in being with. We're to to go see Josh Jermaine and to make us a tuna fish sandwich and then go play arcade games and come back. And, like, this is what we're used to. Well, what Bolero's used to is we own X amount of centers across the globe, and if napkins cost $0.98 cents through this vendor but $0.88 cents through this one and we have to order $2.6 a month, it's probably better if we save the $0.10. Cents. Right. They're sorry about that. That was me. I hit the uh, the bumper. They're probably also saying that we don't have the amount of uh, foot traffic in here from say the hours of 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. like we used to. As far as open bowling, maybe right. they're sitting there saying that the, the party money that they make outweighs all the open bowling that may have been produced in the middle. They're thinking on an entirely different wavelength than the general public. And actually, usually in the chat, is we have a mix of the bowlers, the bowling proprietors. And the, the professionals. The professionals. So everybody here totally, totally, here's a perfect example. Sonny. Sonny's family owns two bowling alleys in, in my new hometown, in like Clark Summit, Scranton area in Pennsylvania. Their job is to operate their business and make money. That's their job. So they're going to do it in ways that a bowler – may not necessarily agree with. A bowler gets mad when the rack gets stuck or it doesn't reset the seven pin. Only at Howell Aids. This fucking place is a dump. (laughs) If it's such a big fucking dump, asshole, go somewhere else. Because this right. place has got to obviously keep operating, whether you bitch about that or not.
0: And one of the last like, mom-and-pop places exactly, that we have left, really. Exactly. That's the thing. You should be uh, enjoying the the mechanics that have to go in there and at least take care of the machinery.
2: Exactly. Man, I am rambling tonight, Rob. Rob, nice topic. I'm sorry, by the way.
1: Hey, oh, yeah, it, it just happens that way. I don't even know how we did it. it.
2: Rob, I'm sorry your wife gave
0: you the flu for Christmas. Did you get anything else for Christmas?
1: Uh, I did, actually. I can't show you now, but... Uh, I have an Xbox Another mini. Fridge. disease. I have an Xbox mini fridge right here below my my left foot. Here, so I got no kidding. Diet sodas in there and water. Yeah, okay, uh,
0: that's a lie. All right, folks, that's a flat out lie. It's diabetes <laughs> medicine and uh,
1: oh, your, look, look at uh, <laughs> zero sugar.
0: Oh, good job. Sir. All right, Wilford Brimley, I have diabetes mellitus. Um, I also got money towards
1: a new laptop uh, because mine was like seven years old. So I'm you
0: have uh, mustache.
1: Happy about that. Anyway. Um no no you you guys make some very good points. And Ocho especially, how long do we give Bolero? Uh you know, how much rope do we give them before they hang themselves? Well, I
0: I brought it up because we talked about it I think a year ago and we I think and I was the one that said, well did. maybe there's something under their sleeve, maybe they're cooking something I'm not knowing I'm I'm actually being There's the bear. There he is. Borderline sarcastic because I truly don't think they have because, again, it's when, when people have a new toy and money to spend and money to write off, usually that's kind of what it is. Like, like um, uh, you know, a rich kid, a rich, rich parents would give a kid a restaurant. and They say, right. if it doesn't do anything in five years, we just dump it and we just take it as a loss. And, hey, we didn't pay taxes and we didn't have to pay anything on it. But um, maybe we, we can't do it like that. We have to give them the benefit of the doubt, too. And that's kind of how that started a year ago. And then it just triggered my head a little bit. And I was like, well, shit, we talked about this a year ago. I'm not sure what's changed because, and, and is it a year? Look how fast that was. Right. Is that even any amount of time to give it change? Like now, cause I'm thinking like, you gotta give it 10 years at least. Uh, if, if bowling's still around.
1: <laughs> Why do you still have the AC in the window? That's a good Look point. At me, Rick.
0: I'm hot, sticky, sweet from my head to my feet.
1: Well, The reason I think Bolero is bad for the business is because they have the controlling interest, right? Like, if let's just say, and I don't know the math. I'm just yeah. And they're not taking
0: like outside, outside uh, suggestions either. They're doing what they want when they want.
1: Literally, whatever they want. But let's just say they own seventy percent of the centers in this country and the professional level. That's a big deal to me. Like to me, it shouldn't be both. It's one or the other.
0: No, that's true too. It's it's almost like. having it's like it's having professionals in the olympics kind of thing like it's like right. that's where, where do you where do you cut the line when it's supposed to be amateur status or professional um because then you're well then it then you're talking you could explain conspiracies at this point too right. if need be but to, to
1: me that's like the nfl saying all right we're gonna We're going to buy up most of the colleges in this country.
0: 100%. Exactly. You know
1: what I mean? And we're just going to use that as a feeder system. But Bolero isn't using it as a feeder fucking system. If they were, I wouldn't have a problem with it. It
0: would make some sense at least. It would make some sense because then they'd be developing players, developing talent, and 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 they're not resources to use.
1: Exactly. And that's the biggest problem I have with it is the fact that if you're going to own all these centers and the professional league or the professional uh, bowling association, you should – Ban the house shot, for one. Uh, But two, like, not every center that they own is a traditional bowling center by which they own a lot of those entertainment facilities that have Yeah, there's arcades, there's mini
0: golf, there's, like, mini golf and things like that. Like, that's the – I mean –
1: If they truly cared about the sport, they would put more into, you know, crafting – or not crafting, but bringing up the next crop of professional bowlers with junior leagues and stuff like that. Which I'm sure a lot of the centers don't have anymore. You
0: know, I almost, I almost feel like they're going to phase, like, Bolero out and call it, like, Entertainment O or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, right. just, And then be like, <laughs> oh, and by the way, we have some bowling lanes here, too. Like, the name yeah. of them is Bolero,
1: like, fucking Bull arrow. But that's like, what
0: I'm saying. Like, so they, yeah. they chose this hot name, Bolero. We're totally into bowling unless they're just making salads all the time. But then what's the, you know, are they, they're going to change it to uh, you know, fun arrow or fun time arrow.
1: Right. I mean, Dave Pico says all the about are making money. That's, that's exactly truly in my it's heart. Any heart.
0: business owner though, I get that. But there's a, it, it also, it's at the expense. Then get out of the professional of entire level. Industry, entire uh, how much, sport,
1: hold, hold on. How much money do you think they're making out of the, out of the PBA? Like, let's just uh, compare it to just them owning Seventy percent or whatever they own of the centers across. I mean, I
0: I don't know that it's going to change it that much, really. I
1: mean, why do they need to be involved in both? Is what What I. What could it? Right, Johnny. What do you think about all that?
2: He wasn't here. I wasn't here. (laughs) Give me a little rundown.
1: No, I I was saying that to me. I don't like the fact that Bolero owns the PBA and the centers because they're not using the centers to uh to bring up the next generation of bowlers because not every center or something. It's not a feeder system for the PBA, which was saying It, it. It's like. The NFL buying all the colleges up and saying, "Okay, well, we now own everything."
0: Yeah, there's no um, draft anymore. We're just going to basically take everybody, and you know, you go to this team, you go to the, or, or you, you'll yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll cherry pick. You're like already a pro, and then we'll figure it out at, at later or something. But
1: like that. but even worst case scenario, if the NFL did own colleges, they would at least use that as a feeder system. Where to me, Johnny, I don't think Bolero is putting enough back into the sport to grow the sport to use their centers as uh, a feeder system. Bring up the young juniors and two pros. Well,
2: again, I'm always the middle guy. Did they buy Kegel too? I'm, I'm a bowler, so I hate bolero, right. but I'm a bowler. I mean, I'm a an aspiring bowler, even at 39 years old. I I want to compete on tour, and I want a place to call home. As far as like my home bowling alley. And unless you have, unless you're fortunate enough to have a place like a Howell Lanes or an Ocean Lanes, just to name a few bowling alleys in New Jersey that are still mom and pop owned and are doing very, very, very well. Um, if you're forced to go to a place like Bolero, you know what? Put up um, Roland's comment because I actually like what Roland wrote here, and this is the this is the part that scares me. Every year that goes by, less people bowl. This is what we talked about before. It's not just USBC's fault that in 1989 we had 8 million members and now we have less than 2 million. It's a lot of their fault. Totally. 100%. I'm like the most outspoken person when it comes to that kind of shit. I think that they're responsible for a lot of the loss. A lot of the other loss comes from the lack of sponsors, the lack of people viewing the fact that it is a sport and all this other shit. Right. Somebody like, uh, put that comment back up from uh, from Roland. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah. So Roland says, be careful what you wish for, because without Bolero, all the houses may turn into condos. I agree with that also. Right. Because in another 10 or 15 years, how much longer will the mom and pop centers be able to withstand the pressure from the quote unquote almost monopoly we have from the the governing body like a bolero and how much longer can those places stay afloat before they turn into condos or supermarkets or dick sporting goods or whatever it is. So that's the other side of the coin that also scares me is if they don't do what they're doing, then how much longer is bowling as we know it going to actually be around, which, you know, now that I'm almost 40 and washed up, I don't care so much about me. I don't care so much about my dad because my dad's almost 80 and he's done and proven everything he needs to in this sport. Right. But like I'm I'm an old soul and in, in a moderately young body. My my biggest concern is the future of the sport. I love going to places like Howell Lane's and watching the kids shoot spares. I like watching my dad and Parker's youth scholarship league on Friday nights. I like watching kids like Brandon Bone and and Bell Love Castillo and these sensational kids like perfecting their craft. I want them to have something to shoot for. And what irks me about Bolero on the flip side of Roland's comment is they don't care about any of that. They care about their bottom line. And to me, that's an extremely ugly thing to do. If we can make something like cornhole globally popular, what the fuck are we doing wrong in bowling? No shit. Or power slap. Have you I mean, seen what that are shit? we doing? That's so goddamn wrong. Slapping Aside people in the face. mentioned in the past. Like the fact yes. that bowling is a blue-collar sport with white-collar prices. Right. You're not gonna. You're not gonna hunt for those kind of sports. I'd rather go shoot a basketball or even baseball because one bat can last me a few years and my glove can last me twenty if I take care of it. You know, like hockey gear and football gear. It's a little bit different. You know, bowling shit every month if you don't have an extra thousand lying around or some kind of company contact. You gotta either hope that you make enough money to buy your shit or hope that you have parents that care about you doing what you're doing enough to push you and get you the new shit that you need every goddamn month. It's crazy. Uh, Agreed. So it's like I said, my, I think my, our biggest problem is like I said, we're a blue collar sport in a white collar priced world and we don't have enough white collar sponsors. And that's always been the issue and the dummying down and the recreational aspects and the string pins and the buying mom and pop centers like Let's buy this McDonald's and make it a totally revamped McDonald's with a better play place, so more people come here. But fuck the guy that franchise owned it for X amount of years, you know? Right, right. Or, or own the land that it sat on that we were able to get at a bargain price because he doesn't know his ass from his elbow. That's the kind of shit that upsets me.
1: Well, I mean, I I can relate to that, Johnny. Obviously, because I've mentioned several times how Bradley Bowl has changed into an entertainment center. You know, no. Alice. Alice Jarvis used to own the property in the center and Red Burnham was the manager for 50 years. And, you know, they sold out to Stars and Strikes and that's that's it. I mean, it's, uh, that was, the, for whatever reason, they, you know, wanted to get out, the family wanted to get out of it after after Mrs. Jarvis died. And that's fine. That's their right. They own the center. They own the property. That's, you know, that's, at least they sold it to a bowling center and not a, you know, a, a, a real estate investor or some kind of developer. So, I mean, that's, it is good that it's, they're still, some bowling, you know, tied to that famous property there in Windsor Locks, Connecticut. But um, it's just, that's where I do agree. Bolero has tried to at least save the sport to where they bought all these centers and, and kept them bowling centers. But I just totally. think there's still, t- I don't think they should, they should own the PBA. That's just, that's my, that's my two especially when they're not doing anything to try to grow the PBA.
2: No, and it's and it's not like when it was like for instance when for the the bowling faithful that remembers when Steve Miller came in from Nike back in the early 2000s 0203 he tried to do the build up of the march to the PBA World Championship where they were going to offer 120 thousand dollars to the winner right he tried to he tried the exempt field when Chris Peters and the two other billionaires from Microsoft came in and tried to buy the PBA. They tried – he tried – Steve Miller tried to make the guys talk trash to guys on TV to make it more like a WWF at the time feel, yeah. now the WWE. Um, they They've legit tried everything they can possibly do to make the sport seem fun again. When in retrospect, when you go back to 1971, when my dad was bowler – or not bowler of the year. When my dad broke the earnings record for a season – uh, Arnold Palmer was the leading money. I'm sorry, Johnny Miller. Johnny Miller. Thank you. Your dad told me the
0: story. Johnny Johnny
2: Miller was the leading money winner on the PGA. Two hundred ninety-seven
0: thousand dollars to my dad's 89, 89. $89,000? I
2: thought it was eighty-five six. Eighty-nine. Don't a- be silly. Eighty-nine. So a three-to-one <laughs> ratio, the highest earner in golf to the highest earner in bowling. Now, also keep in mind at that time, the bowlers also had the incentives. They had the incentives from Muncingware. They had the incentives from the ball companies. It was John, if you throw an an AMF3 dot, John, if you throw a hard rubber Ebonite, if if you throw a Black Beauty, we're going to give you a shit ton more fucking money on top of what you're already winning. It says more than 85, so... I I thought it was 85,600. I thought that was the number.
0: I I could be wrong. My last name is
2: not Petraglia, so I may be wrong,
0: but... (laughs) He specifically told me, and then I read. It. But all right, all right, well, we're both right there. because wrong with his as- medulla oblongata? <laughs> anyway, so the point is, it says more than 85. So yes. I was right, technically, also.
1: We need to get Tony C on the show here in the next week. I would week love or two. to. Yeah.
2: Ironically, he- as crazy as my brain is, a rad Rob, my first ever memory of, of Tony was there was a time, I want to say it was I was maybe like 18. There's a league at Garden State Lanes here in New Jersey on Sunday morning at like nine o'clock in the fucking morning. Whole bowling alley was full, and they would have when I tell you buttloads of goddamn side action. When I tell you, you could go there on a Sunday morning and leave with five grand. Do they at least have eggs and bacon or anything like that too? Oh, or no, dude, they had everything. It, really, it, it was possible. And I went there the sub one year, the year that I finished second in the high roller to Mike Mullen, and uh, I was throwing buzz saw equipment at the time. And I remember crossing, or I was on the same pair as Tony. And Tony was throwing, I believe, the Columbia Renegade. It was a green pearl ball. And Garden State was notorious for the last 10 feet of lane, actually went downhill a little bit. It was an old wood center. So if you could throw it pretty firm and, and up the lane, you could actually watch your ball pick up speed. Gain some energy like yeah, as yeah. it's going but in. Holy pins, shit. The pins fell in the greatest, greatest way possible ever. It was awesome. And I remember Tony just absolutely whacking him that day, and me saying, "I got no fucking chance. This is horrible." <laughs> this kid's stuck here at Garden State, and I'm also on the left side of the lane. I got no chance.
1: That's awesome. That's a good. That's a cool story. Um, Brett Laringer brings up a good point. Bolero did the only good thing they did was update the centers. That's true.
2: And that's that's another thing. That's that's what's the word? Um, argumentative. Because when I walk into Carolier now, I'm ready to puke down my own pants. Yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't look like it's it. – I, I can't go get a sandwich from Josh upstairs behind 15 and 16. Okay. I can't go visit Kelly at the center bar behind the TV pair at 35 and 6. I can't go see Becky and get a pizza behind 71 and 72. I can't go to the bar behind 9 and 10 and sing karaoke and play the horse machine. Like now what I can do is I can sit – in the 1968 Stingray that's up front that's missing two rear views where I can go play the Redemption Arcade or I can go sit at the bar where they have $12 drinks. The Pro Shop, they basically shoved them into a corner. Meanwhile, you got Vinny D'Ambrosio, one of the best ball handlers ever in the goddamn Pro Shop. They shove them in this little fucking corner and they don't even give the time of day to the league bowlers. It's ugly. Like I said, they're, they're kicking out a certain kind of bowler and they're bringing in a certain kind of bowler.
1: They went cosmic bowling instead of leagues. Yeah, I mean that's everyone did that. Will there
0: be that many bowlers in that respect than there were? I mean, there's no way they can replicate everything. You know, to to phase everybody out and then start fresh and then get that kind of uh, kind but, of participation. There's no possible way. It's not. I mean, it's, you'd have to change the name of the sport. Right. You know, whatever. No, I'm not even being a dick now. You'd have to almost like call it something else. Like call it like stone
2: rolling or something. You know what I mean? Like, like there's no way they could do it.
1: Have you been drinking?
2: Ouch, Rob, I have uh, a question for you. I know you said we had to keep the show to an hour.
1: We're, we're good. Dude. I'm fine. We're
2: at 57 and a half. No, I'm, so if I you guys are good,
1: if you guys are good, I'm good. We're, we're this is good stuff that we're talking. Oh, about. We're, we're fine. Okay. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. Cause I'd like to talk about a few more things.
2: That was, really? that was my question. So instead of like listening to me ramble on <laughs> over and over again, why don't you just say JP? I got more time. Ramble. JP,
1: shut up. I got no. Um, I do. I do want to kind of mention and thank everybody for our success this year. Um, our YouTube channel has grown. Our our podcast downloads have grown over the last year, uh, as compared to uh, previous you know year that we did it. Um, our YouTube views. Uh, we're averaging about 730 a month, which for a small channel with no promotion, really at all, uh, is, is a is a pretty cool thing. Uh, and overall, we've had you know almost 10,000 views on this on the YouTube channel. So, um, thank you to everybody for watching our channel and subbing and telling your friends and all that. We've had amazing guests on this year. We've had Bob Learn, we've had Danny Wiseman, we've had Elise Bolton. Uh, you know, John Monson was on twice. Um, uh, let's see who else we have on here. My my memory sucks. Um, oh God! Why? How can I forget Ryan Schaefer? Um How can you?
0: How can I?
1: Uh, and I, I'm excited for the future of this show, whatever it may be. Um, Your enthusiasm
0: I, is palpable through the screen, Rob. With well, and
1: all, I'm about as enthusiastic as I can get right now. With You're
0: me. as enthusiastic if you get my drift. <laughs> you see what I did there? Very, Enfles- very, 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 respectful. Respectful. very respectful.
1: We had the killer Ryan Seminelli on this year. I mean, like, we've had some pretty cool shows this year. Uh, and I'm excited for what's going on uh, next year. Um, Tom Clark is going to be in the show, if we can work it out at some point. The PBA I commissioner said. and president.
2: I found out that I'm not due to sub on Friday nights until January 15th. Okay, so whatever. Then we may I'm be sure. able to get we on, lint on the show. By the way, did you even mention him? Thank you, John Pasco.
1: Thank you. Who? I'm sorry. You. Who? You, who? Uh,
2: his last name rhymes with lint. It's oh,
1: oh okay. Sorry.
2: With an L, ends with a T,
0: and then the middle is.
2: How, how could I forget the PBA? His backswing 50. is about the same length as Stu Williams' follow through. <laughs>
1: That's true. <laughs>
2: It um, looks like Rob dipping a chicken wing in barbecue sauce. I love that Dan Young just popped in with the same face that I made when he said that. Put it up there. I'll make the same face.
1: We, Tom Clark, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: That's our former imbecile of the week, Dan Young. There, yeah. Dan, Dan, when
2: he told me, I said, can't wait.
1: Actually, you said like, good like, shit. No, no, no,
0: look. When he said it, man. we've be been totally very. Low.
1: We've been very critical of Tom and the PBA, and who knows? Maybe I'll get Chad Murphy on next sure. well, year. I mean, would, we could, hey, we could roast him for a fucking hour. No, but we're going to ask him the hard questions, and he knows that. Like, But Riggles set sure me up with it, and Riggles, Riggs said that Tom was very transparent. Take that for you will. You know Riggs. Me and Riggs are like this, dude. I'm telling you. Um,
0: you and Rob Riggle,
1: man. Siggy, guys are Siggy McGee, come yeah. on.
2: Well, do you have any other Let's questions go, yeah. for us, or should we cap it at the hour that you requested?
1: Oh, no, I, I do have other questions for you, then go. Mr. Betraglia Jr. For
2: us or sponsored,
1: for... Sponsored by Brunswick, the best bowling company in the entire world. Mm-hmm. What's the future, Johnny? I know Hammer said, has like this little teaser video they put out a couple weeks ago of a new ball that's supposed to change everything. We know the blue uh, has been received very, very well. And I know you do have inside info, and I know you can't actually talk about exactly what it is, but... What do you think the future is regarding hammer or urethane?
0: Real quick, maybe the blue is like the Viagra pill and like it gets bigger as it goes down the lane maybe. <laughs> and then it comes back just to get through the ball return, but nobody can tell. So think about that. What if, as friction takes over, the bowling ball expands? You can't see it because now it's further down the lane, much like expansion oh. via the blue pill. That's which I don't need, clearly. clearly. And then, as it hits the pin and starts to lay in the channel, it shrinks back to its normal size because it finished. <laughs> and then it comes back through the, uh, you know what? We're going to get to the marketing department, edit this part out of the show because I'm <laughs> on to something. And uh, we're, we're, we, we got something. You know, we should close the show out now. Close the show.
1: <laughs> I have nothing to say to that. I'll, but I do say that. I'm okay. onto something.
2: I that. actually forgot what you asked.
1: I I don't know. Stuff in
0: the blue
2: purple. Uh, Apparently we don't Uh, have anything about the the surprise from, from the brands of Brunswick. What I can tell you is this is it'll be public, publicly available long after it's not publicly available. And all I, you know, not going into great depth, obviously everybody's aware of like what's going on in the bowling world as far as bowling balls. Right. Um, so obviously everybody had to go to the 78 hardness urethane. Um, so whether it's, you know, Brunswick coming out with the, the new blue or, or Storm coming out with the IQ 78U, every company is going to have a certain level of hardness urethane that is accepted by PBA standards and available to the, to the PBA. So I think it's pretty safe to say that at some point after it's available to the pros, it'll be available to the public. The, the new era, the, the the new generation of the game-changing ball. But I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty safe with what I just said because, I mean, what else, like we said earlier in the show, what else can people come out with,
1: you know? Right, right.
2: What else can they do? So what else you got, Rob?
1: Over, under, how many tournaments Excuse do you me think? me
2: one second here. Keep talking.
1: Over, under, how many tournaments do you think Packie would have won okay. this year without the Purple Hammer?
2: I can't answer that because it's an unfair question to answer. I'm just um, being a
1: dick. I'm just being a dick. I love Packy. I love. His no, show. but
2: it's actually a great. It's a great question that I can answer pretty quickly. Um, uh, uh, so Packy threw urethane because it was the best reaction on the pattern, and he knew that from the first shot of practice because he's a lefty on the PBA tour. Um, there's a lot of other bowlers that do the same thing, that they fall into the same realm. They automatically assume that no ball is going to look as good as the Purple Hammer going down the lane, right? Right, right. The breakdown and the lanes themselves change a hell of a lot differently, even on the left side, contrary to what people honestly think, when um, when people aren't starting with urethane because they feel like it's their only option. And uh, so I think Packy is talented enough to have won the same way that he won this year because, honestly, Packy was one of the guys I saw that didn't really want to throw urethane all year. Yeah. I, I saw him throw that power torque pearl and that brutal collision almost as much as I saw him. Like, he couldn't wait to get out of the purple hammer. Um, guys like Troy, just because he's in the chat. Troy threw the ball that gave him the, bo- the reaction that produced the most strikes. That's right. But Troy definitely didn't want to throw a fucking purple hammer. Up. Oh, no, he
1: wants to hook it. Right, yeah. I'm
2: not sure why I'm sounding like Matthew McConaughey right now, like it doesn't exist. But either way, all, all, all I'm saying is I think Troy would have rather fucking played the shim with a Cuda, yeah. shined up. Agreed. You know? Agreed. Um, I can't. I can't answer shit. The same way with Jacob, I talk about those guys all the time. The only lefty I think would have had a little bit of a different career so far is Jesper. And again, I'm only going based on on what I have seen. And what I have seen in Jesper's very young and successful career is that he ain't very good or he ain't there often when he's not throwing urethane. He's the best in the world when he's throwing urethane. His rev rates higher than everybody. His strike percentage is higher than everybody. He's as cool a customer as they come. He's one of the greatest bowlers the sport's ever seen with the elements in front of him. Do I think Jesper beats Ryan Simonelli throwing all resin? Fuck no. Do I think he beats Parker in an accuracy contest up five? Fuck no. Right. Do I think he beats Jason couch over the sixth arrow? Fuck no. Do I think he beats my dad falling back the fourth arrow? Fuck no. Do I think he beats Rhino page in the track? Fuck no. Do I think he beats Patrick Allen up eight? Fuck no. I
1: think we get the point.
2: At least yeah, I'm backing yeah. it up with facts. And I'm trying to look at the camera this time, which is the hardest thing in the world for me to do because the I, camera's I up here and it's I so can't funny. see you, Rob. Right. But That's I funny. feel like I'm talking to you. Like you are I talking to me you right you, now. Yes,
1: you, yeah, you are. You're pointing at me. Excellent. Excellent. I'm pointing at you. Pointing what out. else?
2: What else do you have? Um, in the restroom.
1: We love Troy Lint. Yes, we do. Um, the fact that, and I've said this plenty of times, the fact that I've gotten to talk to so many greats in the sport has been so cool, but Troy has been like literally the coolest. And just to see the success that he had this year, um, just, it, I get goosebumps dude. Just, just thinking about it. Like who, who I cares? You... Who cares? If it was just a purple, like, you know, what Ken Schneider said, throw, throw what wins, no matter what, it doesn't take is away it? from his, his talent and the remarkable fucking season that he had being in pain, which he still is from his knee, The entire time. It's remarkable what he's able to do. And I I am so blessed to be able to call him a friend.
2: I'm sure he feels the
1: same. And that's all because of you, too, Johnny.
2: It's also true of just remember, bowling at our level is a sport just like anything else. You, If you put forth the effort in anything that you do the way that Sorry we're you know we're we're sucking your left butt cheek here, Troy. No but we,
1: we do it all the time. If
2: you put forth all of your effort in every aspect of your life and you dedicate it to one thing, eventually you're gonna be the best at that one thing, right? Yeah. It's just the nature of the beast. Now and, and honestly, even if there's somebody who's athletically more gifted than you, that that's genetically like more predisposed to, to looking better than you, it doesn't matter. The guy that fucking works his ass off on every single level, mentally, mm-hmm. physically is always the guy that's gonna be on top, and it just it just kind of shows like what happens when you dedicate your entire life to something. When you don't think about anything else, it's amazing what you can do, and he's just living proof in our sport, just like all the other guys that didn't start where Troy started. Pete Weber's say what you want about Pete Weber. Pete Weber has figured out a way to bowl on average 48 games a week in competition on every single pattern you could possibly think of and still beat everybody else a hundred times. Walter A. Williams Jr. Same thing. Yeah. Like the guys that give all of their life to a certain craft are always going to get where they're supposed to get. And Troy's just living proof of it.
1: That's why Ocho is the best doctor. (laughs) He's not even listening.
2: Ocho is um, filming the way better half of Ochoville right now. Ah, I gotcha. I smell your cooking rock. Okay. Uh, do we think, I wish I could have a martini right (laughs) now. I'm kind of stuck with some diet Coke, but I do have some devil's lettuce.
1: Nice. Do we think EJ can replicate what he did this year? We know Simo is going to be pissed because of the year that he had, um, was so good that it still wasn't good enough. And you know, Bellmouth still thinks he's going to have something to prove. Plus all the young guns that are coming up. What do you think is going to happen next year? Do you think that EJ can stay that dominant?
2: That dominant, I don't think anybody can stay that dominant. Uh, maybe, maybe for another year. like We saw Mark Roth win uh, back-to-back-to-back player of the year, 77, 8, and 9, and then once again eighty-four. 84. We've seen that happen a couple times. Walter Ray has done it as well. Um, that dominant of a year, like because remember, if you take EJ out of the equation, Anthony Simonson had one of the most dominant years in the history of the BBA. Absolutely. So, like, if you take away EJ, we had two guys. Yeah. Like, I don't know if Anthony can repeat the the amazing season he had last year, but both of those guys, like we said earlier in the show, they have the talent, they have the drive, they have the commitment, and the confidence. Yeah. It's, It's very, very deadly when you have all of that. The guy I would look out for this year is Belmo, because Belmo is one of the most intelligent bowlers on tour. Belmo's got like a Chris Barnes brain. He's a, a very, very forward thinker. He's always thinking about what's going to be in front of him. You're like he's building his future off of his present. He's never, ever dictating his future off of his past. It's one of the reasons why Belmo is so successful. He's never afraid to do anything the same way with Simon and EJ. But I think Belmo has reached the point where like, okay, I'm about to turn 40 years old. I've still got this. I want to see how much more I've got in the tank. Can I be as killer for five more years? Can I win 25 majors total and like do it in the next five or six years? I think that Simo is going to chase that. Yeah. So I think that Simo and EJ are aware of Belmo's readiness to perform. And I think the three of them are just going to just fire in front of everybody else all collectively for their own reasons. The same way Roth and Earl did it. The same way Don Johnson and my dad did it. You know, it, it's it's going to be that kind of a race. And, again, you could find a sleeper anywhere in there that will be in that mix this year. It could be a Kyle. It could be Kevin McCune. Coming. I said
0: it last uh, last week about Prather. I think Prather is the guy. Chris might- Prather
2: is ready. And, again, a lot of it is also going to be determined by the first few events of the year. Right. The lack of the urethane the introduction of the new hardness urethane is going to redictate how the lanes are going to break down and it's going to determine what kind of styles and what kind of games knock down more pins more frequently <laughs> Jeff I love you <laughs> Merry Christmas Jeff, Brad Miller player of the year Jeff if uh, this happens <laughs> I'm gonna to go to bolero and tell them that um <laughs> no, you know, I didn't I don't know what to say I can't I don't even know what to say right now
1: that's hilarious that that popped me what about Butters? I mean, we love Butters. Butters is fantastic. I don't.
2: Butters know. is going to be fine. Um, he's coming off that that injury. I, I know it, it absolutely crushed him. We speak yes. uh, relatively frequently. Other than Troy, he's probably the person I talk to the most. Um, I know that he was really trying to protect um, that hip, that leg, yeah. and I know he works his absolute ass off every single day to get back. Jacob is. Jacob's in a different world, man. Like, say what you want. He's in a different world. He is such a shark, the same way Mike Albee was. Like, you never, ever wanted to give Mike Albee a chance to throw a strike to beat you because you knew he was going to beat you. Yep. Jacob, you can actually watch him do that throughout a tournament. Like, when he knows he's almost beat, he figures out a way to bowl 260. And he's never, ever, ever scared, worried about anything. Sure, he's had a couple of hiccups with the seven pin on TV. Might be the only thing I've ever seen the kid second guess himself about. But I mean, just like most of the guys out there nowadays, this is not the PBA tour that we that my age bracket is used to. This is not the guys going out to nightclubs. This is not the guys going out and partying all night and hanging out with uh, the tour fans at late hours. These guys go back to their hotel rooms. They they got a good a good dinner, they go to bed, they, they get ready for the next day because they know how good everybody else is. Yeah. To me, that's, that's pretty cool, and Butters has that, and he's had that for a very, very long time. He's fucking nuts, just like me. I mean, we're, we're both crazy, and I hope he tunes in and listens to me say that because he knows it's the truth. But, yeah, no, I think he's going to have a great season. I think that your heavy hitters are all going to have good seasons. The guys I would look out for to see how good their seasons are this year, I'll give you a couple to look out for, just like out of my eye. Kevin Williams. I'm curious to see how Kevin Williams does without a purple hammer. I am curious to see how Darren Tang does if he's not allowed to throw a pitch black, especially in the morning blocks. I'm curious to see how Francois Lavois does, because he usually doesn't throw a lot of urethane, so I expect Francois might be able to, be higher up in the pack for the first few games. I'm not necessarily looking at what weapons you're taking away. I'm looking more so at the weapons you're adding to the players that don't typically take advantage of the weapons that were at their disposal over the last few years with the purple. We're going back to like 2016, 17, 17, to the present, you
1: know, what about your friend Ryan Simonelli? Do you think he has any added confidence for coming off that
2: win? After, after Ryan reinvented the urethane game back in like 2011-12 at the World Series in Detroit, Ryan shied away from using urethane. I think Ryan's thrilled to death that it's taken out of play this year. I think he's going to be thrilled to death because he no longer has to worry about the heads being disposed in the first few games of, say, an 18-game qualifier. He can rely more on his speed. Look for Parker to make a couple regular PBA shows this year, yeah. especially since he's coaching the Waco Wonders and he has to beat all the tour stops anyway. Parker's going to make a couple shows and win this year at the ripe old age of 60. Watch. You'll see. It, it, it allows certain bowlers who were so good at their craft to go back to their craft once more. Yeah, It's like a last hurrah. Dan Young brought up another one that's a great guy that I didn't mention once is Don Barrett. Tom Barrett throws urethane when he's absolutely forced to. He doesn't want to. He wants he drills more balls than anybody. Yeah. He certainly doesn't want to throw urethane. But yeah, that's uh sorry. Like I said, I'm in, I'm in a rambling mood tonight.
1: No, it's all good. You're you're spewing knowledge, which I always love. Anybody else you think might have a bounce back year?
2: A bounce back year? Um
1: Maybe somebody. I think we're going to see
2: less of Chris Mm Vi. I think we're going to see a little bit more. Give me a, give me a lefty here. You are going to see more Graham Fa. There, there is, there is my shot in the dark. You are going to see a lot more Graham Fa this year because Graham Graham was good with resin, with roly resin, long before urethane. But Graham, I think, is one of the most underrated players there is. He's almost like Mazza to me. Yeah. He's accurate. He's controlled. He's got a beautiful game. He never really jacks on it at the bottom. He's just a good player. I look for Graham to have a really, really good season this year. I look for Sean Lavery Spar to have a great season this year because of his recent snub in the draft coming off such a fantastic year that was more than deserving of a first-round pick, let alone not getting picked at all.
1: That's yeah, a- that's something we didn't even talk about because we took that week off. Yeah,
2: and You know what? I'm glad we didn't because – I, mm-hmm. yeah, I yeah, talk yeah. to Steph all the time. Yeah, obviously you know that. It's th- this year's draft. Like I'm thankful my dad's not a coach this year. I'm thankful my dad passed the torch this year because this year it got it got more political than any any years prior to it, yeah. and it's just ugly to watch a guy a guy that good and and his brother for that matter too, Anthony to to watch those guys get, get skipped around whether it was due to injury or whether it was due to not knowing where to look or whether it's being at, beaten by somebody who qualified 66th in points compared to your 22nd in points. It's just ugly. So I look for him to go out there with a little bit of redemption this year. Like I said earlier in the show, I Kevin McCune will be crazy dominant because I Kevin so. can throw at 23 miles an hour, and he could certainly do that with the new blue instead of the purple hammer.
1: Mm-hmm. And, right.
2: Um, Jeff Skyer says, what about
1: Michael Martel, your boy?
2: Michael Martel, you know, I've, again, I I always bust his chops. Um, I think that what I saw at the Marcus tournament, I I saw Michael throwing the IQ, the 78 hardness, and uh, Michael's very accurate. He's he's a very accurate player. His spare shooting is a little skeptical, uh, especially his left side spares. Uh you could tell that a lot of his antics in the start of his approach, the uh, the fucking around of the shoulder, the the pointing of the right shoulder, the the very, very like committed nature of of him. Uh you could tell it's it's all uh him just trying to slow himself down because it really comes out when he shoots left side spares. It's almost like he's just praying it comes off his hand. Right. So I think other than because Michael's very accurate, other than that I think if Michael just really figured out a way to hone in on his spares. He uh, has as good a chance as anybody. He's talented. He's got a good wrist at the bottom. He never falls off a shot. He's just like everybody else out there, man. He's fantastic. They're all fantastic. But there are certain guys out there that have a trick or have a little bit of an edge in a certain field over other guys. And I think Michael needs to find that, just like a lot of players. And once he does, he'll be just fine.
1: It can happen to anybody, honestly. A light bulb could just click. Um, yeah. and you can, you can have a dominant year. When do you think we see the emergence? You, you mentioned Parker. What about his kids? When do you see, we see the emergence of the bone brothers.
2: Um, all the kids and which by the way, congrats to Sydney bone for, uh, Absolutely. I, I, I'm heading sorry. to, I, to Vanderbilt that that's fantastic. Um, I love Sydney. Like she was my own little sister. Um, I think the, the bone family is a very smart, Family. They're a very studious family. They are a by the book family. So I think both kids, both Brandon and Justin, again, I'm not speaking much for Sydney. I'm not sure what she wants to do yet, but I know for a fact that, um, Brandon and Justin will finish college, that they will stay involved with the sport at every single level, whether it's social media, whether it's capital, whether it's pro bowling, it doesn't matter what it is. Um, but I know that they are just like their dad. They bowl everything. They practice every single day. I saw Brandon the last three days since I've been down here with mom and dad for the holidays. Uh, I'm sorry, the last two days. Saw Brandon practicing. Brandon practiced with dad today. Getting ready, I, I believe, for Team USA trials coming up uh, right after the first day of the year. Yep. Um, I think that Brandon already has it. I think Brandon will be a Hall of Famer. Yes, I do. I, and what I mean by that is when Brandon's 35 and has won at least 10 titles and two majors, which are still my Hall of Fame credentials, or 10 titles and two of them are majors, I think Brandon will be a Hall of Famer because he already has um, the, winning, the winning edge. He already has that nature about him. Justin transitioned from one-handed to two-handed, and he's got one of the cleanest releases I've ever seen. He's already won, um, I believe, a, what's it, a Junior Gold or the, the Youth Masters or whatever it's called. Um, I expect Brandon to win more titles than Justin, but I believe both of them will be in the double digits with titles before their careers are over.
1: I agree. I agree. As long as the PBA is, is out there. All right, final question, putting you on the spot. Okay. Who do you think gets player of the year next year?
2: This coming season? Yes. I'm going to give it this year to, I'm going to take one of the front runners. I'm going to give it to, can can I take two? Sure.
1: Why not? It's your show.
2: I'm going to give it to Belmo or Simo. Okay. I think that the quote-unquote sophomore slump, even though it's not a sophomore season, will come into play for EJ coming off. A season like that, it's like a Ted Williams hitting 400 in baseball and it's like being expected to do it the next season. Like, exactly. oh, my God, I struggled this year. I only hit 360. Yeah, you're still 100 points better than the the median, but it's okay. Right. So I feel like no matter how good EJ Bowles, he's thinking in his brain it's not as good as last year. Like I said, I think Belmo is on the warpath to have another $200,000 earnings season. And I think Simo was pissed that he bowled as good as he did last year and didn't win player of the year because EJ had one of the best years in PBA history. Yeah. So I'm going to leapfrog EJ and say it's uh, – if I had to take one, I'm going to say the one this year goes to Belmo.
1: Actually, I agree I think with EJ that.
2: is going to get snubbed. I think uh, Anthony is going to get snubbed again. I think he's going to finish second. And I think EJ is going to be behind guys like – and Andrew Anderson or a Kevin McCune in, in the polls.
1: I agree. Actually, I was going to take Belmo uh, sleeper though sleeper pick of some none of those names that we mentioned. Somebody grandpa, grandpa. Okay,
2: I'm going with grandpa because he's very good at controlling the front part of the lane. He's very stoic. He's very even keeled. Um, and I like the idea the the thought of grandpa having more push in the first twenty feet of the lane on the left side. With that medium hand, he's not too firm. He's not too soft. He doesn't crank it too much. He's not weak at the bottom. He's like that perfect mix that can curve it from the fourth hour if he needs to, shove it up the first, and be very comfortable somewhere in between.
1: Roger says, serious question. Wouldn't Simon be happy making 300 k plus without even baller over the
2: year? I think anybody would. Um, I, I really do think anybody would be happy making 300 a year. I think um, at this point for Simo, it's a little bit more personal. I think Simo's got enough money in his young age. I think he's got a good head on his shoulders, and he's investing his money properly. He's a very old young kid.
1: He is. I was going to say that. He's a he's, throwback.
2: He's already got his affairs in order, and I think he just knows he's the best, and he just wants to be the best.
1: Yeah. Even though he's a two-hander, he's a, he's an old soul. He's a throwback. Yeah, that's, uh, that's
2: definitely my answer, Roger, based off what I know of him. He is... He's just out there because he wants to be the best in everything he does. He's one of those people. It's why he does Ballard. his own lanes. He rebuilds his own machines. He levels his own lanes. He's he keeps notes. I mean, he's he's a good egg. That kid, you know, he's he like is. as good as they come.
1: My sleeper pick is Kyle Troop. I think he's going to rededicate himself and refocus because he kind of had a down year, obviously, as as compared to the one previous. And you can just see, like, even on the team team thing. Um, he was frustrated. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna bounce back this year. That's my sleeper pick for, for player of the year. I I like that
2: I like that pick too. I like and like I said earlier, Rob, about the the sophomore slump coming off the massive year. Kyle had his massive half million dollar year. Yeah. He had his sophomore slump. We saw him visibly get angry in some tournaments. Yep. So I think that you are very, very good there. I also like who Roger just wrote. Tommy's another guy. Tommy's like, like almost closer to the senior tour. He I know the younger guys, and he's still one of the best the sports has ever, has ever seen. You know, he's another guy to look out for, and another guy that. What makes Tommy so dangerous is Tommy is the guy that we talked about evolution. We talked like, for instance, Walter Ray decided, you know what, I'm going to learn how to throw it two handed, right? Tommy Jones said, well, you know what? I'm going to learn how to be really, really good with urethane. we watched him bowl 300 at the Hall of Fame Classic with urethane on one of the two lanes.
1: Right. So yeah.
2: Tommy's yeah. another guy that whatever they throw at him now, he knows how to do. It's very, very, very dangerous. There's, it's going to be a lot of sleepers this year, and a lot of it's going to be dependent on the breakdown of the lanes and what the lanes dictate and tell the players to do. Right. If, they, if it's like years past – You will see a lot of the same faces every week because no matter what pattern they put out, typically the same kind of games make it. Right. So we're going to get a pretty good judge in the first three or four weeks, I I would say, of that. Are you excited for the upcoming season? Um, I've I've been excited about bowling since I moved back to the East Coast. Um, That's good. I'm glad. I enjoyed bowling more in Vegas, but I enjoy how much people love bowling on the East Coast. Yes, yes. So since I've been out here talking to more people uh, about bowling on a pretty frequent basis, these are, yeah, like, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at.
1: I like it. Can we get Ocho back here to close the show? What's, what's he doing? Ocho,
2: come uh, close the show.
1: We're going to do the imbecile of the week.
2: All right. Well, so do I have like 30 seconds to check it on my phone so I can have a cigarette? Cause I'm you dying. Sh- you sure do. I'll come back. It's
1: time. We want
3: for you for the week.
1: favorite segment.
2: If you guys don't know how to use a seatbelt, just ring your call button, and Tommy will come back there and hit you on the head with a tack hammer. You know, Lloyd. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber. Here's the
3: imbecile of the week. Some people are really f- stupid.
1: Really, I, I expected Ocho to walk back, and I, I, I thought yes, he's
2: coming. But I saw, I saw him run real quick. Oh, I think he was washing his mask. <laughs>
1: Got a little schmutz in his mask? What's, what's he doing? He's
2: doing something with it, but
1: here he is. Well, what? Let's, yeah. Let me filibuster for a second. There he is. There's the man. Wait, oh, you took it off. That's weird. That's creepy, dude. I'm gonna have nightmares about that. That image right there. <sighs> okay, oh Joe, what do you seriously do? What are you doing? You can talk, right? <laughs> wow, this show. I, I, this show. The show just went what the hell in a handbasket. Oh, Joe! You can't even see the sc- can you even see the screen?
0: Of course I can. What kind of a question is that?
1: I don't know. I don't know. This week's imbecile of the week comes from Elise Bolton's page, which you know she gets a lot of gems on her page. Just the fact that she's uh, you know an attractive female. Uh, this schmuck commented on Elise and Nate's YouTube channel on the recent video. At Pelv 1.6, still looking for where skill or athleticism is involved because it's just an easy game with no skill whatsoever. So, Nate and Lees responded, okay, go win a PBA title, then come back and tell me this. Well, that jackass.
0: And not make fun of his grammar either.
1: No, that's absolutely right. Um, so, that person came back and said, it's okay, I have two already this season. I'm in your region, the South region. I see you guys all the time, and I know you don't do anything but bowl, living off mom and dad's money. I know you don't actually work, but bowling is super easy, especially since I know you reactive resin cheater stuff. Nico, he could be imbecile the year. He, he's in the running. We're, we're gonna we're gonna put up a poll next week. Yeah, but
0: Johnny should really even be here for this, man. This would be. Uh... Well, let's just, do a replay next week, too. I'll, I'll, I'll put
1: this back up when it gets back, but your your early thoughts on that. Do you really think this person has two PBA regional titles? No,
0: he probably won his league, Like meaning like won like five out of seven points twice on league and then thinks, okay, yeah, I got this figured out, which is what we talked about again years ago, two years ago now, like where you think you're good at something, and it's the big red wiffle bat, but you're really not that good because then it gets harder as you have to compete in tournaments against better competition. Right. So, no, this is a that's actually a funny thing. I maybe I got a feeling he's a troll. Like maybe that's just, uh, you may be right. Is it a goof?
1: I, I don't know. I mean, just the fact that his name is Pelv 1.6, I don't even know what that means. That, that, I don't even know. That's
0: probably the guy's pecker size. I mean,
1: that's- it probably is. Actually, <laughs>
0: um,
1: There are a lot of trolls and I know they get a lot of trolls, especially the guys just, you know, being I mean, there. really
0: though, how does bowling even get trolls though? That's the other
1: problem. It's mean, weird now that it's strange, um, but just to just say that you don't do anything but live off your, your mom and dad's money. You First all of all, bowling work. is
0: work. If you make a living at it, that's literally, literally going yes. to work.
1: Especially when they say, I know you don't do anything but bowl. Well, duh, that's their fucking little job. You yeah, guess what?
0: I eat because of bowling. I have a house because of bowling. I put food on my table because of bowling. <laughs> I get to freaking show off my Instagram because of bowling.
1: Right, <laughs> exactly. And then saying bowling is super easy and you love reactive resin and it's cheater. How the fuck is reactive resin? I mean, that's, that's
0: just a funny part. I mean, it, that, that's the... Uh, Isn't I your thing This cheating? guy's like an 80-year-old, maybe it's like one of them... It probably is. Yeah. You know what we should do? We should look at who like the uh who was outside the top one hundred in like nineteen seventy seven to find out who's <laughs> angry right now. Maybe that right.
1: could be It could be an old guy that's pissed off about resin ruining the game. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, especially I don't know. This is just a weird thing that I saw today. And and she had commented out and said, you know, I try not to let this stuff bother me. And and she calls these fucking assholes out. So um good for her for doing that. And plus all the idiots that troll her page anyway, that just want... You know because she's hot, and the gross comments that they have regarding her and her body and all that, like I don't even know how she puts up with all that bullshit, but this guy I, mean, I gotta do the
0: same thing, Rob. you have no idea how much I'm inundated with like how hot I am and like
1: well, I mean that's that's true, that is true, Johnny, I saw you watching uh while you're outside. Yeah. Well, what the fuck, dude?
2: like I wrote in the uh in the messages, lot of boos come from the cheapest seats,
1: yeah, that's true. No, you're right.
2: And honestly, he, if he hates her so much, why is he watching her? Right. You know? Right. With all due respect, he's just giving her more viewers right now. So thank you for your bullshit, ugly-ass comment, loser. Thank you. Yes, you, thank you,
1: douchebag. Um, we're going to put up a poll next week, Johnny. I for- can't
2: wait to get a message that says, <laughs> you know who this is. I'm like, I don't give a fuck who you are. That was right. Like, you fucking wrote.
1: Yes. Yeah. Fucking ugly. I mean, do you think they've won two PBA regional titles and they know who they are? Like, If they
2: have, it's even uglier.
1: Right. Yeah, that's even worse. It's one Sorry. of their own. Fuck, them.
2: fuck Well, fuck them. you, right, Bells. So we have a Roger, and we have a John Sperone. We do. And we have an Ocho. That's right. And we have a Hulk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. That wraps it up for thank this goodness. year. So thank you, Johnny, for all you've done this year. And you Ocho, too, you stupid bastard. And he all says, of our he says friends. hello, hello. All, all of our wonderful friends and all of our chat—we got the best chat in, in bowling podcasts, uh, and we do have the best bowling podcasts. So hopefully, we'll continue to grow like Ocho's biceps, yeah, without working out or doing anything at all, right? <laughs> Which is what we do.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just there. It's amazing.
1: Thank you guys for this year, and uh, happy New Year to everybody. Happy New Year to you, Johnny, and, and Ocho, and and Mrs. Ocho, and little Ocho, and. He doesn't have any pets. So he has a cat. Fuck that cat. I don't like cats. I'm allergic to cats. Fuck the cat. Fuck the cat out, Joe. I mean, don't fuck the cat out, Joe. But, I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean. I think that's what he's already doing. <laughs> I love you guys. Uh, dude, this is, this is the highlight of my week. Even though I feel like shit, I still come on here and have fun with you guys. So, that's... That's a good thing. I, I noticed we have, we have a lot of Tom Clark haters in the chat, so we definitely need to get them on.
2: Stop grabbing Clark. bear claws two at a time and getting them lodged right in this region. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, How about some coffee? <laughs> I'd love some.
1: All right. On that note, guys, Happy New Year. Thanks for watching. We will see you in 2024. Take care, guys. Good night, everybody. And fuck you, Doc Sullivan. Still. (laughs) Good night.
3: (laughs) Thanks for listening to this edition of Straight Up 5 with Johnny Petraglia, Jr. You can follow the show on Twitter at Straight Up 5 Pod. Follow Johnny Jr. at JPJR07. Follow Rad Rob at Rad Rob Gaming. And follow Dr. Ocho at the D-R-Ocho. Got a question for Johnny? Send your questions to straightup5podcast at gmail.com. We'll see you next time for another edition of Straight Up 5 with Johnny Petraglia Jr. Right here on the Red Rob Radio Network.